um, in all honesty, I was thinking, please, please, please don't, don't make him get worse. <laughs> like, I was just really praying that he's not going to get worse after this stress. And, you know, some people actually question whether this dog is really 31. The, the most striking difference between the way all of us feed our dogs and he, that he sources all his food from the village. I know that there's a combination of elements and factors why Bobby is as long living as he is, but you know, I cannot hide my emotions when I'm talking about it because it's just like, and I don't want to hide them, but it's like, it, it's been one of the most um, spiritual experiences of the past several years, for sure. Like we are not here to tell them you have to stay for us a little longer. And it's also not failure if some, some dogs live shorter lives than others. But obviously out of, you know, for selfish reasons, we want them to live long. You know, I started supplementing um, with other supplements then I felt that, that we could do better. I was asked to do some, to, to create a formula for minerals and amino acids for a pet food company in the early days. And then I started seeing these amazing changes. I've seen, I've seen really kind of like beautiful recoveries from complex situations and conditions. And if we don't look after it, it it's, uh, we are gonna fail to maintain health. Hello, my name's Catherine Edwards, host of the Live, Love, Learn podcast. And in today's episode, you are in for a real treat. Now, this is about dog owners and my guest, Dr. Peter Tobias, who's been on my channel before. He is one of the world leading holistic vets that has really devoted his life to educating all of us about how to help our dogs live a long, happy life. But this podcast isn't just for dog owners. Everything we talk about today can be applied to any animal in your life and equally important to us, our humans, because never has it been more true that happy human, healthy human means healthy dog and vice versa. So let's all learn from each other. There's so much more than five tips in here. I promise you that every single person, regardless of whether you're a dog parent or not, regardless of whether you've grown up with animals or they're new to you, or you just want to understand more about the decisions you make and the impact. So we discuss Bobby, the world's oldest dog, 31 years old, the impact of social interaction and freedom of choice and not micromanaging too much in either your own life or your animal's life. Of course, diet, exercise, nutrition um, and chemicals in and out, detoxing the body, healthy teeth. There's so much in here for everyone. So please sit back, enjoy, um, stay curious and let us know what you think in the comments below. Thanks for watching. I am really, really delighted to be back with one of my absolutely favorite guests on my podcast, Dr. Peter Tobias. Now, last time Peter was on my show, I will put the link to the video below. We had a really amazing conversation about how we could be the best dog parents. And Peter shared a lot of his personal story about how he's accumulated the vast array of knowledge that he has. And this time we're gonna be discussing five tips on how to help your dogs live a long and healthy life. But even though we're going to be talking about dogs today, everything we talk about will apply to any other animals in your life and very importantly, yourselves. So don't forget to include yourself in it. 
I just wanted to say that today's episode is sponsored by ASEA redox signaling molecules. Now, it comes in two forms, the liquid and the gel, plus there's a huge other product range for us. Um, but why did I start taking ASEA and why is it now an integral part of something that my whole family, both four-legged and two-legged, take every single day? Plus also something that all the clients I work with, again, four-legged and two-legged, it's number one on my priority list. Well, part of what I do, what I'm passionate about, is understanding the challenges that are affecting each and every one of us in today's modern living. Um, the more you know, the more sometimes you wish you didn't know, but the pollution in the air, in the water, in the food, um, the control of our minds, the propaganda. But one of the things that we can do is take back responsibility for our own health. Now, every single cell of our body, whether we're an animal, whether we're one of the dogs in the backgrounds or one of my plants, contain these redox signaling molecules. And cellular health and cellular communication is absolutely key, whether you want to get your body back in balance, whether you want to reverse the aging process, whether you want to address any particular challenges that you've got physically, emotionally, it all starts with healthy cells. If your liver cells are healthy, your liver's healthy. If your brain cells are healthy, your brain's healthy. But just like a mobile phone, most of us have got mobile phones that we we use on a routine basis now. But that mobile phone, regardless of whether you've got the latest model, is completely useless without a signal. So what does this technology do? Um, the the gel is something that you can apply topically over particular areas of concern, whether you want your skin to look better, whether you've got cellulite, whether you've got an area that's causing you a challenge. The liquid is something you drink each and every day to top up what should be in your cells anyway. But when our bodies are stressed, diseased, challenged, or as we age, we make less of them. So personally, I wouldn't be without a tip. My sleep's better. My energy levels are better. My mood's better. My mobility's better. If you want to find out more, the details are below. But I'm so grateful that this came into my life and I'm so grateful I can share it with others. I hope you love it as much as I do. Let me know. Um, Peter, before we get started, for those people that haven't watched your first interview, and I would really encourage people to go back and watch the link below to watch that, but you've inspired me for so long because you've got over 30 years of experience as a veterinarian, but in a background, both holistic and conventional veterinary medicine. So it's given you a really great perspective on the way that you approach health for yourself and for all animals, animal homeopathy, natural nutrition, and you sold your your thriving vet practice um, in Vancouver, Canada, back in 2008 to really pursue your passion for educating the public about disease prevention and natural treatments. And that's how I find out about you. And, you know, you're one of the, the main people that's really helping people do that. And with your goal of helping dog lovers, but any animal parent, really understand how we can help our dogs um, live long and healthy lives. So first and foremost, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm, I'm great. I'm really happy to be here. I, I've been so excited the whole morning. I was thinking, okay, we're going to talk to Catherine. And, uh, you know, uh, 
when I'm listening to you, all I am kind of reminding myself, it's just about learning continuously. It's actually, maybe we have a little bit of knowledge and we gather more and we can make some difference, but it, the learning never stops. So, you know, I don't want it to sound too grand because, uh, grand because really like we're constant students, like bachelor students. And, uh, and it's humbling to know how much knowledge there is that we haven't discovered. And it's really exciting to actually hear the hear, hear other people discovering new things and learning from each other and kind of being in in the community of like-minded people that's really nice so I'm really glad to be here thank you so much and I agree with you there's so much learn I mean I've got my two dogs we've got Indy on the sofa behind Lola's just at my feet here and mm-hmm. these two dogs have I've had dogs all my life I'm so lucky I've grown up with animals of all species loads of species I like a lot more um but they've taught me so much and are continuing to do because they've still got a few challenges that I haven't got to the bottom of yet so you know every every person we interact with every animal we interact with there's so much we can learn from each other and you had the most amazing experience. I saw you, Dr. Karen Becker, who is amazing, Rodney Habib, who's amazing. You guys had the pleasure of meeting Bobby, the world's oldest verified recorded dog, who is 31 years old. I mean, I was blown away by this, Peter. Please talk us through that experience. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, you know, I, I actually had planned something else on the weekend when the birthday was happening. And I called my friend who I was supposed to visit in the UK and said, you know, I got this invite to, to see the oldest dog in the world. And would you mind if we just kind of change the date? Because I'm really curious. So she graciously agreed. And um, I took my dog Pax and I, and we flew to Portugal. Uh, for those people who don't know how I fly with my dog, I'm a sleepwalker. I sleepwalk the glass door. And when I was in my 20s and I almost died. So I actually have a service dog who can help me and prevent me from doing that again. So anyway, we flew to Portugal and uh, we uh, met Dr. Becker and Rodney. And uh, the first evening we actually met the canine community in Lisbon. And it was really great. Like I, I usually am not a big fan of big crowds and so on, but this was a really small group and they were just so nice and really excited. So it's exciting to, to be there. Um, what I noticed that Portuguese people are really, they, they, they are so full of kindness and they're, they, they live with their heart. And so the next morning we woke up and we drove to the birthday a little, we actually were invited to a lunch with Bobby and his family. And so we kind of got an insight into the simplicity of their life. So we drove into this, um, little quiet village um and you know there's a very small house with a garden beside it beautiful lush garden i'm a gardener so i i noticed that immediately and as we were walking through the kind of through the through the main gate uh bobby was actually <laughs> chased by this little girl who was trying to pet him all the time and there was no there were not many people so it was very sweet to actually see this dog who looked more like he was 15-ish, maybe 16, 17. And I couldn't really wrap my head around it that that it was actually a dog. <laughs> so there was a dog that is 31. So first, you know, there's so 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 much to talk about. Um obviously we said hi to Bobby, and the interesting part is that he doesn't actually have gray hair and he does have 
basically genetic predisposition to longevity and no gray hair. So this dog doesn't really look 31. He doesn't even on the outside, he's, you know, he's a little chunky and so on. And some people would kind of comment, oh, he's heavy, he's he's fat. He's fat 31. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so um um you know, Pax and Pax, my dog, and 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 Bobby met and uh I was just kind of thinking maybe they kind of they kind of learn from each other. Maybe guys can learn a few tricks. But you know, the 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 whole um noon or the lunchtime was very simple. We got uh we got um we got a dish of sardines and salad and fruit salad, and it was all just really simple in a tent-like setting. And and one thing I noticed that on the ground, instead of basically having some sort of pavement, there was soil. And then on top of the soil, they actually put cut grass and rosemary. So everything smelled like rosemary. And so I every time I smell rosemary now, I remember Bobby and the whole family. So, you know, again, just very simple environment. And, and, and uh, Lionel, the owner or guardian of Bobby, I'm not gonna call him owner, we're not owners of our dogs. Um, he is actually the most strikingly intelligent, but also very simple person who has been thrown into this kind of like celebrity status a little bit. And um, it was actually his friend who decided that Bobby should be known to the world and he filed the, the application and then basically they did all the DNA testing and telomere testing to make sure that this is actually correct and the veterinary records testing and you know some people actually questioned whether this dog is really 31. I know that Lionel has made zero money from from this. He actually refused any uh, donations or anything like that and he just basically I trust him 100%. Yeah, it was that was and, you know, talking to him. There was this genuine. Kind of. Love that is beyond the love that I witness on, on regular basis, like it was just like a connection, like he was six when Bobby was born in the little little shed in on the property and he even showed us the little shed where he was born. And they're just like twins, like it almost like they're just like so connected on the soul level that there's like it's it was just so beautiful to watch and some of the interactions when they kind of connected and, and so on. And then Bobby was very willing in the afternoon. There was about 25 guests and 80 media, but the media were actually not too obnoxious because these days people have basically small little camera and microphone at the most. And Bobby, actually, we could see we were a little worried that Bobby, it's going to be too much for Bobby. But um, he kind of paced himself to a certain degree, and he put himself away during the celebration. And then, you know, the villagers and the whole village came, and they were dancing, and Bobby was in the middle, and um, it was just really sweet. Um, uh, obviously, photo shoot and all that stuff was done, and... and uh, and I was really happy, actually, when the celebration was over. And the next day we came for uh, Facebook Live with Rodney and Karen. And Bobby was just kind of hanging out. He was resting. He was quite tired after that. And we were a little worried that, you know, that he overdid it. And um, in all honesty, I was thinking, please, please, please don't, don't make him 
get worse. <laughs> like I was just really praying that he's not going to get worse after this stress. But he seemed to recover. And um, and on that second day, we had a little bit more connection with, uh, with Lionel. And he said, you know, I, I said, first, you, you've inspired all of us because he was thanking us for you know, advice and giving him some suggestions and so on. But I, I said, we're learning from you. Mm. It's not the other way around. Like we can give you some suggestions how to deal with certain issues, but but we're learning from you and we want to know. And uh, so he, obviously, we talked a little bit about his food and about his diet and so on. The, the, the most striking difference between the way all of us feed our dogs and he that he sources all his food from the village yes <laughs> from meat to the vegetables and uh to the well water but we can't really replicate this this kind of environment very easily most of us yeah. can't but you know i could see the garden was just lush and, and rich no chemicals the well water he was pointing to the well that was in the back of the garden and you know they have the municipal water but but bobby was getting the well water um bobby uh was eating the meat from the village where he would barter vegetables for meat and so on or eggs and so there's still this kind of like barter system and uh I know that there's a combination of elements and factors why Bobby is as long living as he is. But, you know, if I could summarize, I think that it's really like a great start. Mm -hmm. uh, not much of an invasive therapy or veterinary care. Um, I didn't ask him about the vaccines, but I doubt that he was getting anything beyond the, the mm -hmm. initial ones. Uh, definitely local chemical free food. But there are some other things, love, definitely love and the care from the owner, the connection. But Bobby also would every day at four o'clock, he would basically get up and he would go to see the village dogs. Yes. <laughs> so he would go for a walk and uh, he would see his group, right? It's like, you know, I, I can only compare it to this group of uh, old men that I see at a local village here in the Czech Republic when I when I go to swim. There's this 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 group of four guys and they just kind of walk together with the canes and they they're really funny and they sometimes say you know something inappropriate and, you know like guys right and so I I see Bobby doing the same thing that he goes to see his yeah and socialize. And, and social fitness is super important. He also oh, has obviously yeah. other dogs uh, around. Um, and he had a, his best friend was a cat that actually passed away this year. So that was really hard for Bobby. And uh, he obviously was quite sad. He wanted to, he wanted to make connections with packs quite a bit. And, you know, he definitely thrives on being with other dogs and with people. So that was it. Um, you know, I could talk forever, but one more thing that I don't think I'll ever remember, and it was very humbling and also reassuring that we all are the same. Um, Lionel and I talked about the time when Bobby's not going to be here. And he basically said, you know, I am so unprepared. 
I have no idea what I'm going to do when he's not here because my life evolves around, around revolves around him and he also cares for his mother. He actually lost a brother um, a few years back. So, you know, basically he was very honest about how unprepared he was. And as we were talking, I thought of um, us not really having a solution. And there is no solution for dogs even living longer. Obviously, we all would like them to live longer. Mm -hmm. Imagine that dogs would eventually reach age of 40 or 50, let's say, with science and research and whatever the future brings. Then it would bring the problem of us not wanting to have a dog because we would have to leave them behind. So yeah. my, my general sense is as long as possible, but for me, I would not want to leave my dog behind. Yeah. So maybe with a little bit of practice and, 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 and personal growth and development, I'd say, hey, you know, I'm going to introduce you to other people who you will have fun with and be happy. But it would be difficult here. There is no simple solution, I think. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, I left, we left Portugal with Pax and I came home and I couldn't stop thinking about, uh, about Bobby. And, uh, you know, we, we put him actually for mobility. We put him on some, and for regeneration, we put him on omega oils and, and heavy doses of that. And he's, he's doing really well. He's had a little bit of an ulcer around his bum. Uh, so I, I helped Lionel to kind of, I taught him how to clean it and and you know how to how to treat it and that was that was really at least I could do a little bit but really summary um, both Dr. Becker Rodney and I we all were thinking like what an experience what a what a, what a treasure what what you know I, I can't even describe how much it, it impacted me on on so many levels and and the other thing is when we came back from Portugal I I thought why don't we just do a little bit of a fundraiser like you know nobody has given actually Lionel money for the party or anything um you know some of the entities would ask for for a party and media would come and so on but he would actually pay for it himself and so I thought why don't we just collect some money and uh Dr. Becker and uh and Rodney had already that conversation and and um Lionel basically said absolutely not and I said well I didn't have the conversation with him so I can possibly organize the fundraiser and then I'll let him know and I hope that he'll be okay by then so we actually started the fundraiser and I called him and I said you know I hope you don't mind but we'd like to actually express our gratitude for Bobby and I know that it'll be, you know, there will be veterinary expenses and other expenses down the road. So can we actually organize a fundraiser through the community? And he basically said, absolutely not. So we, as soon as we organized it, we had to shut it down and uh, return the money that was donated. And so some people say that he, Leonel, did it for the money. And I know for sure that he did. Yeah. And he basically, I think that one of the reasons why he didn't want to have anything to do with the fundraiser was that he didn't want people to think that that he yeah. did money. So it was, you know, on some level it was beautiful. It was also a little frustrating because I know that that you know we wanted to express our gratitude, and the money could be used either for Bobby or for research or whatever. But you know, it's uh, I respect that decision. It was it was um, yeah, it was touching. 
I, I, I trust that you can, I, I think, you know, I cannot hide my emotions when I'm talking about it because it's just like, and I don't want to hide them, but it's like, it, it's been one of the most um, spiritual experiences of the past several years, for sure. So, I mean, when I saw, you know, Dr. Karen and yourself and Rodney out with him, it reminded me what came to my mind when I walk out in the forest and you see a really old tree and you just know that tree has seen so much and got so much wisdom to share. It, that's exactly how I felt when I saw Bobby, because I think you touched on so many important things, which are we'll, we'll go back over about the, you know, um, how we can help and what we can learn from these situations. But actually, where I'd like to start is that that almost lack of um, interference, you know, sort of being there to sort of be a good guardian for him, but allowing him also to make some choices and live his own life. And when I saw, I think I saw Dr. Karen talk about how he takes um, off for his little walk and he's very rarely, I don't, I think she was saying he's hardly ever on the lead. And, you know, I do, even though I live in the middle of the countryside, I'm not in a position there because obviously the dogs could get run over. Or And it made me really think about how much to love in our hearts we try, and because of the way we live now, we try and micromanage every aspect of our animal's care. I mean, I've just got two foster rabbits and I'm I'm so happy because we've built this amazing great big run for them. It's huge. And we've dug down and put wow underneath because we've got foxes and obviously they dig and my guinea pigs don't dig. So I haven't had that problem. And as soon as I'm out, put them out there, they've been out there less than a week. And I swear to God, Peter, they're like different rabbits. All their instincts have come back like that. They're vibrant. They're jumping about like little spring bunnies. They're they're digging, really digging, which of course bunnies should dig. And how how us humans can get this? You know, we want to keep our animals safe, but we also any animal needs to be allowed to live like that species lives. It's a really it's a real dilemma, isn't it? Yeah, you know. Um... In my mind, it's actually not a dilemma as much as how do we practically apply it. Um, <laughs> this reminded me of a book that I'm just kind of reading. It's called Lead, Lead and Inspire, I think. Uh, I would have to look on my phone. Um, I can't remember exactly, but I know that there is Inspire in the title. And it's by Stephen Covey, who everyone knows. So uh, you can even look it up if you, if you, if you don't want to confuse people. But... You know, I think that with dogs, it should be exactly like that. So we, we need to lead them, but we need to inspire them to be independent and be kind of like give them the freedom. I I get incredibly frustrated seeing how much kind of bossing around there is with dogs. And actually, we don't necessarily do it out of bad intention. We just uh, don't realize what we are doing. And that these beings are at our mercy. They definitely don't have the freedom that we can exercise. And uh, then we put them on the lead. We jerk them around. Uh, you know, just the idea of a collar is uh, is uh, is crazy, if you think about it. Uh, people use these retractable leashes that um, damage yeah. a lot of the nerves and blood vessels and thyroid gland on the on the neck. So I, I'm a big proponent of harnesses, but beyond that, and 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 <laughs> it's really interesting for me to live in three different places. I basically am from the Czech Republic, where I spend quite a bit of time now because it's my heart place and just amazing. It's also the most dog-free country, meaning that that people are people give their dogs freedom 
beyond what I've seen anywhere else. There's about 70% of dogs on the street in the city of Prague walking off leash and walking well. Wow. I and, and and this kind of made me realize when I started coming back here that dogs are fully capable of understanding the concept of, of the sidewalk, of where they should walk and where they don't walk. But if we don't give them the freedom and if we don't train them enough, then they're out of control and they don't respect cars. They don't really understand that. And, and there's differences between dogs. Of course, we, we have to be mindful. And uh, then there is, um, you know, Canada. And, and, and interesting enough, with the freedom, there is like less, fewer aggressions in in Prague, a lot of dogs are neutered. In Europe, a lot of dogs are neutered, and um, and they actually get along. Most of them get along just fine. In Canada, um, there's great outdoor spaces, but the restrictions are much greater. Uh, you know, if you go on a walk, you have to put your dog on the leash here, take it off here. Uh, it's totally confusing, but even more so, dogs are not used to socializing together, yeah. and they're so much more aggressive. Like, and maybe not aggressive, they're just anxious and they flip out because they just don't know how to behave. On top of that, um, there is still the recommendation that puppies should not be socialized until the four, uh, until four months of age, which is criminal. It's, you know, it's like telling parents, you can't make your dog or make your child see other children until they are six or 10 years old, right? So it just doesn't really work. Um, uh, so, I think there's more restriction. There is more behavioral issues. Yeah. And strangely enough, I see the same with people. The more rules there are, the more people act out, and the more people are um, not not happy. And and you know, comparing comparing Prague, Vancouver, and then Maui, it's very interesting. Uh, the North American culture is much more prone to. We are we're much more prone to tell people what to do. Yes. We're prone to, oh, you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't do that. Well, everyone breaks the rules sometimes, right? <laughs> but people are so keen to tell others what to do, which almost never happens unless I run into a foreigner and then I'll have to explain, you know, you're visiting here and it's our culture and we are really proud of it. So um, tough luck. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just so interesting in Maui. Maui is somewhere between Vancouver and Prague. I would say that dogs are free, much more freedom, but then there will be people who are going to, I call it flip out of dogs. And, and some people have rightfully so negative experiences around dogs. So I think I'm not saying that we should disrespect them, mm. but I don't think that we should limit our dogs just because someone had a negative experience with the dog in the past. It's like if there is a, you know, it's like punishing all people just because there are a few criminals. Um, yes. And so I really think that we as a society need to evolve to uh, respect dogs. We're going back to that freedom. And, and, uh, and, and Bobby is a good example. Like he almost, I don't think that he's been on the leash actually in his lifetime. <laughs> it, it's amazing. And I think... Yeah. So I agree. I think giving an animal of whatever species, human, rabbit, dog, some freedom, a, a lot as much freedom as you possibly can, to me, trumps a lot of the other things. Because actually, oh, when you so get that, you make deeper decisions. It's interesting for me with my dogs I've got at the moment. When I have my two Labradors, even though one of them was a, a rescue, 
easiest dogs ever to train ever. These two are different matter. They they've come from <laughs> a traumatized background. And one of them has got fear aggression, which I've never had before. So it's really interesting to see how myself as her parent, I'm still on that learning curve about how to handle that, you know, because obviously I have a responsibility to keep other dogs safe. Um, Equally, it's very difficult not to get into that vicious circle. So it's a steep learning curve, I must say. And, um, you know, I had a day out with a friend yesterday, Peter, and we were in a park just outside London. It's called Bushy Park, and it's a, a suburban park, but it's probably about a hundred acres or so. So not that big, but big enough to, you know, be quite nice for people who live in London. And it's got loads of deer there. And that someone let their dog off the lead with all the deer, who of course are having their fawns at the moment, and it was just causing carnage and chasing this border everywhere. And this is the problem, isn't it? It's like one stupid person can ruin it for everyone and then you get this blanket and of course it wasn't the poor dog's fault because the dog was going to chase the deer because it hadn't been changed otherwise it had no recall because the owner had I mean I watched it for an hour and he had no chance of getting it back um but freedom is so so important because it crushes the spirit doesn't it and it crushes the soul and if you don't let any being make some choices it's like they've done a lot of studies, I think, with humans that when, mm. you, when you don't have a purpose and you don't have choice in your life, then it's not a great outcome. Sorry, but I, you know, I, I definitely there's the other side of the of the coin where some dogs are even naturally genetically predisposed to be out of control and they just can't Sorry. be controlled. Yeah. Um, there is uh, poor breeding. Uh, there is uh, there are certain breeds that are much more difficult to control. Um, and so it's it's up to us to decide what the degree of freedom yeah. is for our dogs. But you know, our goal should be, even if it's let's say in a backyard or in um, when visiting friends, that our dogs have friends. Our dogs yeah. have they 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 socialize with others, that we show them that chickens and rabbits are not to chase. And some dogs will, most dogs will understand it and some will not. And again, it's our responsibility. But, you know, if we can kind of summarize, having this excessive control doesn't lead to happy dogs. Having this excessive control doesn't lead to happy people. I I really think that, uh, you know, the society kind of cycles between uh, anarchy and too much restrictions, and I've seen that. I, I I grew up in the in the Eastern Bloc, and then I went to Canada, and it was really great and free. And suddenly, I just kind of started to see some signs of the freedoms and restrictions being being you know different. I would see police raiding you know young people's bags at the beach just in case they have alcohol and so on. And I was terrified. I was thinking, oh my goodness, like this is this is this is communism starting all over again. Yeah. And as uh, as I you know as time progressed, like obviously that has become more and more, and now we almost can have a different opinion than the than the mainstream, and that's become a big contentious issue, and in, in obviously in our society and politics, and and I think that for people to travel and see that there can be organized society without being controlled, there can be organized dog community without being excessively yeah. controlled. Um, having these dog park ghettos where you know it's 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 really traumatic for many dogs. Yeah. I don't believe in it. But at the same time, like just kind of 
just 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 you know it is so true that 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 the level of development of society is reflected in how we treat animals right overall very much so it's really it's um and 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 in the uk catherine you guys are at the forefront of being the dog lovers and animal lovers extraordinary every time i i end up in the uk i i am blown away how much more advanced you are and and polite and respectful like i spent the weekend in the uk with my friend and um yeah it was really nice it was really nice to see i think you know they we do generally love animals but i think you know, the problem is, is there's a lot of lack of education now um, in terms of how to keep them because a lot of people have lost that connection with nature and the land. And what what you grew up with thinking was just pretty common sense. Now, unfortunately, there's there's a lot of people that haven't had that and therefore they do need telling again, which is really important, which brings me on to my next subject, which is the food. Now, food is something you are, you've been teaching people about dog nutrition for a long while because you've seen both sides of the scale about what getting it wrong can have such disastrous effects, of course, for ourselves as well. And, you know, the challenge is now is a lot of people will go into their supermarket and most of it isn't real food. Um, but you you noticed that Bobby was eating really locally and natural human food, not out of a can, not out of a bag. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> there were some moments actually when we learned what Bobby ate uh, <laughs> that yeah. were that were quite quite shocking because Bobby gets onions on regular basis, cooked cooked onions and some stews and and raw vegetables. So it's not all raw meat, and it's more of a stew kind of diet uh, with uh, basically just everything thrown in it. And I think that he gets some table scraps as well. I know from the information that I got from the people around Bobby that uh, there were some attempts to actually quieten the owner to that that he that he doesn't feed kibble, uh, but you know obviously that didn't happen. But I'm not going to get into the politics of it. But uh, you know um, obviously learning that a dog that is 31 has never had kibble is not yes. good business so um I, i'm a big believer that truth always wins. you know when the velvet revolution in the czech republic happened in 1989 vaclav havel the first president his motto was truth always wins and and this is about medicine about health like uh no matter what entity tries to kind of hide information or tries to convince us otherwise, the truth will always seeps through. And it, it may not be through the professional circles, it may be through just us talking as a community. And uh, I think that there's a, there's a lot of positive development and it doesn't need to be through nastiness or accusing each other. I know that uh, those people who make, let's say processed food, they, they believe most mm. of them, or at least some of them believe that that's 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 what the that's what is best for dogs yeah. but on some level it doesn't really make sense because i don't know any medical doctor that would tell their patients to eat a lot of processed food and wholesome food would not be good right like you don't hear a doctor saying that so there's a little bit of a discrepancy that is hard to hide like sometimes with with politics of food and diet 
it is so blatantly wrong. Yes. If I, if you try to hide it, like eventually you just gotta start contradicting yourself because it just doesn't make sense, right? So going back to Bobby, uh, you know, his diet has been very very simple but local, and I think that that's important and non-processed and uh, a combination of meat and vegetables, which we do. Um, but um, it would be really nice to have more conversations with Lionel about his diet. And uh, I definitely plan to do that. We've been in touch and, and uh, I'd like to learn as much as I can. But, but there's another part and that's the genes, yeah. um, which plays an important role. However, to say that, Lionel believes that having dogs over 20 is normal. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get on with this too because this is yeah. our perception of what normal. You and I were talking off camera about we're a very similar age, and we were talking about isn't it funny how the perception of what a sixty-year-old person should be like, and um, our perception now when we speak to most dog parents is, you know, they'll think a twelve-year-old lab is really old. It, it's this sort of brainwashing of what is the new normal, which I hate to use that phrase, but when you've got an attitude like Lionel, where, because I noticed that some of his other dogs quite had lived to over 20 as well. Mm -hmm. um, how important is that perception and that expectation? Because that must affect how the we believe. Um, I, I, you know, Catherine, obviously I can't really talk in absolutes here because uh, nobody, nobody knows how the universe works, but I have been for long, for the longest time, I, I, I've been a big proponent of not really telling people what their dog's life expectancy is, because I think that often if I, if someone, someone said to someone, your dog will live up to 13 or 15, the dog basically dies at 13 or 15. And I've noticed yeah. that. So I don't give people prognosis, progno like I would say prognosis is, you know, good or poor or not very good, but I would never give them a number. Yeah. Uh, whether it comes to uh, disease diagnosis or whether it comes to just, just life expectancy of a breed. And um, I do think that there is a lot to do, like our perception matters. I do really think, and our, our the level of our worry matters. Um, you know, I love the saying, a little bit of benign neglect is good for our dogs. It's good for our children. It's good for anyone. Um, a little bit of benign neglect and love. A lot of love and a little bit of benign neglect, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, it doesn't mean not to take your dog for walks, but not worry about them as much, not micromanage them, just kind of letting them be. Uh, the trusting that that their ability to um, decide for themselves how long they'll be here is actually their own. Like we are not here to tell them you have to stay for us a little longer. And it's also not failure if some some dogs live shorter lives than others. But obviously, out of you know for selfish reasons, we want them to live long. Um, but learning to be relaxed a little more about their senior years, mm -hmm. learning to come to accept that they, they're not going to be here forever, super important. And um, I think part of the longevity plan as well. Yeah, I, do, I completely agree with you. And um, 
you know, the great thing is, is the older any of us get, the more we know what we want to do, the more we sort of tune in with ourselves and we understand, you know, how much we can or can't push ourselves. And our dogs are exactly the same. I mean, my dogs are um, coming up six now and they're really happily lying here, you know, fast asleep. Um, but when they were younger, you know, they were a lot more playful. But they know that dogs are so good at knowing when they need to rest, when they need to play, when they want to exercise, etc. It's fantastic to watch. I certainly learn a lot from them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Going back to the diet, just because this is such an important one for people. The biggest thing I get people saying to me is it's so complicated knowing what to keep um, to feed my diet. And I always, um, my answer is, well, just think rabbit. <laughs> you know, yes, yes, yes. think, what is a rabbit composed of? Sorry, rabbits, yes. I love rabbits. Or I'm, chicken or, yeah. yeah. Or, 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 you know, something like that. And actually, when you think back for that, so how do you approach that, Peter? And for people that are over-worrying about it, because that can go both ways. There's some people who say, you know, who don't worry at all and just feed them a can of tuna each day and because it's not dog food, think it's fine. And then there's others that micromanage. What would be your biggest message for any dog owner listening at the moment when they're oh, looking at their diet? Yeah. Um, relax, actually. Um, people don't worry about their kids, actually, you know, measuring every single gram of amino yeah. acids and omega oils and everything like, you know, and nutrients and, and calcium and this and that. The body is quite intelligent. And if we don't clutter it with junk and toxins and give it healthy balanced diet that is close to the natural diet of, of, of canines, then we are fine. And, you know, again, uh, there are certain ratios and proportions. We, I, I put together a little recipe maker that people can use, and it just kind of gives you an idea of what the proportions could be and uh, what choices you have. But ultimately, um, it is really to, it, it's quite simple. What I do I feed bones, I feed meat and vegetables, and sometimes I feed organs. I must confess that I don't feed organs as often because they're not as easy to get. And uh, sometimes they may not be organic and I don't want to give junk to my dog. But um, some dogs are quite happy to eat vegetables on their own. And the range of vegetable proportions are anywhere from 10 to 30%. You just basically have to see what, what your dog does well on. Uh, the dogs that are hotter, that are running hot, they do better on green vegetables and more of them. Um, there are certain principles of um, what meats dogs do well on. Uh, the colder dogs uh, would do better on poultry and warming meats. Uh, the hotter dogs would not do well on poultry in general and would do on cooling better on cooling meats. Uh, the principles, I find... Uh, really correlate and are are aligned with the Chinese medicine principles. Uh, and I, I've observed it in many dogs. Uh, my first dog was chili, and he was great on poultry. Pax is hot. He's not great on poultry. So I don't necessarily for, force it. Um, dogs like to scavenge. I'm not really... <laughs> I'm not really opposed to even give dogs healthy leftovers when it comes to, um, you know, our own food. And uh, the idea that dogs should not get salt and all the other animals get salt and salt licks and so on. Again, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that it was one of the ways of the pet food industry to convince people they must not feed human food. And I, I don't see a problem actually to give um, to give um, some leftovers. 
Um, what else? Um, I don't really like to give dogs dairy. Uh, no mammals uh, consume dairy past their weaning. Um, I find dairy aggravating for many dogs and people. Plus, most people don't realize that dairy is basically produced by taking the calves away from their mothers and milking the cows. Just recently, I was watching um, a video clip of Pink. Uh, she's got a video clip uh, for the song Raise Your Glass. Yeah. He actually blatantly and very clearly opposed to that idea of milking cows. And she put the milking machines on women and feed the calves just to kind of see how ridiculous yeah. it is. And, you know, there's so many milk replacements and coconut and almond and, uh, and oatmeal and, and all that. We don't really need that. So, and dogs definitely don't need that. And milk is immune. It taxes the immune system. It's not really good because it has a lot of, um, you know, uh, bacteria and, and protein. It's kind of a live, live, live food, right? So most of the time, you know, it's pasteurized in some situations, but it does have still some, you know, it's, it's it's not it's not really that healthy for the immune system to consume a lot of milk for for many people and most animals. What else? Um, when you feed eggs, I would give um, I would give obviously organic free range eggs. I am not too keen feeding too much fish, but in contrary to my belief, Bobby has been getting sardines and he's fine. My concern about sardines was that. Um, um, strontium from the nuclear disaster in Japan actually gets in the bones of, of small fish and we eat sardines with, with the bones. Um, so that was my concern, but I'm seeing Bobby actually living up to 31 and I had to really look at it critically and say, okay, maybe I'm wrong. And, you know, it happens to, <laughs> happens to us all the time that we realize whatever we believed in, suddenly it doesn't apply. But there's this kind of like golden solid center where you know that 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 is true, that is that is really undeniably correct. And then there are these little bits and pieces that you may need to change. Yeah. But, um, what about timing of food, Peter, and how often? Um, yeah, yeah. Again, um, different approaches. I'm and the reason why I paused here is I don't really know how often Bobby is fed. My general sense is that it's actually healthier for dogs to fast, uh, meaning that once a day feeding is great. I don't feed your dog before exercise. I don't like to feed my dog late in the evening because then the sleep is not as good. Um, and uh, micro or intermittent fasting is actually a good idea for dogs, meaning that if you don't feed your dog 24 hours or feed your dog once every 24 hours, that's probably optimal and ideal. In nature, they would not have regular meals. So some people panic. They would have to drop everything and leave uh, leave uh, an event or visit with friends because their dog is going to go crazy at 6 p.m. So I actually feed my dog irregularly. I don't, yeah. I don't feed him on a regular basis because it's easier for them. And I do the same thing with me. Like I, I, you know, sometimes I have breakfast at 11. If I don't make it, I'll have, I'll have lunch and I won't have breakfast at all. And the fasting actually activates uh, these regeneration systems, certain enzymes and gene repair. And, and it just kind of like starvation on some level Healthy starvation, temporary starvation is actually good for the body. 
yes. because it allows the body to cleanse. It allows the body to uh, to regenerate and recoup. Uh, having these snacks and having these, you know, five or six meals a day, it's kind of insane. And for dogs, unless there is a medical reason, I definitely don't recommend feeding adult dogs more than once a day. Uh, when it comes to puppies, I usually feed them uh, three times a day until about five, six months of age. Then they start skipping one meal. You just feed twice a, twice a day and then once a day, maybe starting 12 to 14, 16 months, somewhere yes. there. Um, and the only other thing I wanted to say, some people feed too much. And now I notice that many people actually keep their dogs really skinny uh if the muscle development is not really good and if the backbone is sloping if the hip bones are prominent uh those are all signs that dogs are malnourished um i have a i have a simple chart on the recipe maker where people can learn what the ideal condition is ideally i always say count the ribs you should be able to count the ribs but if you if you wet your dog, if it's a long haired dog, or if your dog is short hair, you, you should not see the ribs. Yes. And um, the backbone should be nice and round and muscled. Um, I've been to the UK. I I mean, like I, I I had been there last week for a few days, and I noticed that the herding dogs at the farm nearby were really really skinny. And yes. obviously, I couldn't really say anything. But, you know, kibble diet, uh, skinny, beautiful creatures. And it broke my heart to actually see how malnourished and how, how out of shape they are, despite their performance and despite, you know, working really hard. They're just not getting the right nutrition. And it's really, it was hard. Like I, I, walk, I walked um, to one of the farms and I walked by the kennels and I had to turn around because I could, suddenly I could see Cage dogs that basically, I know they're working dogs, but I think that we really need to change the attitude that a farm dog should be a caged up dog, should be a dog without any social interaction, should be a dog separated from their humans. It just does not make sense. And so we really need to, you know, sometimes we are too kind and too polite and don't want don't wanna to raise these issues with, with the farmers, but we have to. Because it's about the animals. We really have to think of what is more important, whether it's our conflict-free life or speaking up for those who can. I 100% agree. And, you know, a, a lot of the time, yes, sometimes you will get a very negative response. But nine times out of ten, I think it provokes that person to go home and think about it. You know, and if you're planting those seeds and keep – I see it a lot with – horses because I live in a big horsey area and that's a lot of my work is with horses as well and the tack that people put on them and everything is absolutely barbaric now um and I do say something and a lot of the time it's very much not appreciated but planted the seeds and then you do see changes might take a week it might take 10 years but you know at least if you're being an advocate because as you say you know a lot of the time it's because people are living busy lives and they just haven't thought to ask the question um yeah so we've got we've got freedom we've got social interaction we've got feeding what would be your next sort of um biggie in terms of longevity what we could one of some of the best things we can consider for our dogs you know, uh, when it comes to diet, obviously balancing diet, uh, um, <laughs> it's been a real eye-opening experience throughout my 
my professional life to see how much we've ignored nutrition and nutrients because we we source our food from soils that are depleted, whether it's the meat or the plants. Now, uh, we don't recycle the compost back to the fields. So naturally, there is a lot of depletion. And uh, we're not as lucky as Bobby and his, uh, his dad uh, to live in the village where these principles of healthy agriculture has, has been maintained. Like most of us actually source food that is depleted. So, um, you know, I started supplementing um, with other supplements, then I felt that that we could do better. I was asked to do some to, to create a formula for minerals and amino acids for a pet food company in the early days, and then I started seeing these amazing changes, and um, they were actually greater than I thought they should be. And then I started to think because I like to garden as well, and I've been gardening since uh, since early age. Uh, my grandfather was a herbalist, and he had a whole bunch of herbs, and and I like that. And then uh, in the early, maybe mid-20s, we had a garden um, here in the Czech Republic before I moved to Canada. So I, I knew what it looks like, what a depleted plant looks like, what, uh, what a tomato or potato or apple tree looks like when it doesn't have the nutrients. We, we all recognize it. And I started to think, you know, it makes complete sense because we are even more complex than plants. And if we don't get all the building blocks, how can we expect the body to thrive and age well and repair itself when it doesn't get the nutrients? So I actually kind of took on the simple route. I, I thought I'm gonna create a system that is simple enough for people to be able to follow it, but it will make the most difference. So I didn't really focus as much on specific problems, but, uh, you know, created fermented vitamins, uh, created probiotics that are canine specific, uh, then uh, came on uh, came on the omega-3s, which, which were actually the simplest ingredient at the same time as more complicated, more complicated because um, fish is uh, depleted, fish stocks are depleted, uh, there's a lot of farm fish, uh, krill is not sustainable, we kept running into issues. Um, you know, plant-based omegas are not really balanced EPA and DHA. It's, it cannot be really created together, at least for now. Maybe maybe they're going to be able to grow it eventually, but right now it's not possible. Uh, the technology is advancing very fast, though. So we we ended up with uh, squid oil, uh, which is actually, which really has been my opening as well, because it's really high in not only EPA, but also DHA, and that's good for brain and, and nerve system and regeneration, but it protects the blood-brain barrier. So it actually prevents the brain from getting inflamed. And, and it has been shown now in research studies that uh, DHA actually uh, prevents dementia and cognitive issues in dogs and people. And um, it reduces inflammation of the brain because the, it starts with, uh, with the brain blood-brain barrier being disrupted. And not repaired enough. And then the elements or particles or substances that should not get in the brain get in the brain yeah. and it results in inflammation. So huge, huge, huge um, kind of mind-opening experience with that. Um, uh, there is so much, you know, when it comes to when it comes to nutrition that we could talk about, but the essential, we call them actually fabulous four, is minerals, vitamins, um, amino acids, actually minerals and amino acids come together, then vitamins, then probiotics, and then omegas. And then once every six months, a cleanse. 
So that's the simplest thing we can do. And um, I've seen I've seen really kind of like beautiful recoveries from complex situations and conditions, which says or confirms that when you give the body what it needs, the building blocks and 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 the repair ingredients, it does it on its own. And then obviously you're left with some of the conditions where you need to supplement hormones with for hypothyroidism or Addison's disease, or you have to treat Cushing's disease uh, or something like that. It's much more complex. But most dogs actually beautifully recover when we provide the nutrients. And then there is another kind of element that uh, I pay a lot of and put a lot of emphasis on, and that's spinal health. Yes. <laughs> huge, huge, huge. Spinal health, uh, in my mind, is uh, like half of the win. Mm. So many dogs and so many people have back pain, have back issues, have inflammatory condition along the spine. And I see the spine as the energy highway to the body and to the organs and skin segments and muscles and so on. As soon as the spine is misaligned, the muscles tighten up. It uh, prevents the blood flow and nerve flow and energy flow to the organs and uh, and skin segments and muscle segments. And that's how it all starts, right? And then uh, the body and, and the patient, the dog, human starts compensating and certain areas get tighter. And again, when they get tighter, the restriction happens in that area and it's like a vicious circle. And there's two things that you can do for, actually several things you can do for spinal health, but one of them is definitely exercise and variety of exercise, but also preventing injuries and core strengthening. And there are enough physio animal physical therapists that will tell you how to exercise older dog and they will tell you how to, you know, how to adjust the spine when it's congested and when it's injured. Um, I actually did a Pilates class yesterday and I just misunderstood the, the, the teacher, the instructions, and I lifted my legs much more than I was supposed to. And this morning I woke up and I'm feeling a little tension. So I actually, I, I, I'm experiencing uh, intramuscular needle stimulation or needle therapy. So I put acupuncture needles in a few spots and it's fine. Um, the, the bizarre thing is that sometimes you learn about these connections between different parts of the body in, uh, in a personal experience. I had. Um, for about five days, about three months ago, I had really sore throat and I thought I had strep throat or something and it wasn't getting better. And I was thinking, this is kind of weird. And then I was thinking, I my sore, my neck is a little sore here. I do a lot of computer work. So so I put a few needles in my in my neck um, in the middle of the night because my throat really hurt by the by day five. I woke up in the morning, zero, wow. zero yeah. sore throat. And so it kind of tells you how connected it is. Or dogs that have diarrhea often have lumbar spine issues. Dogs that have cardiac conditions um, have actually interscapular spinal issues. Uh, one of my very dear friends um, has uh, atrial fibr fibrillation. She's in her 70s. And um, I just talked to her recently and I said, you know, how is your, how is your back pain? How is your back? And, and, you know, I was able to touch her back and she was like a board. And she said, of course, like I sore back all the time. And that's something that we often forget that the spine is the highway of the energy in the body. And if we don't look after it, it it's, uh, we are going to fail to maintain health. Yeah, it it and so many people, it's very it can be quite hard for them to pick up because the dog might not be obviously lame, 
But when the more trained are, as you say, luckily there's a lot of good therapists around there now that can work with your dog and show you what to look out for and then also help you with exercises, well-fitted harness, which I know you're a big proponent of to actually help prevent the, um, you know, the injury coming back again. Um, so, so important. I want one of my dogs, Lola, she's always doing zoomies and twisting and turning and it makes uh-huh. a difference. But I'm very lucky with her because she tells me straight away, you know, she's really obvious with it, even though she's not lame. She'll look at the area and um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of red light therapy as well and using that to open up the energy flows. So, so we've got spinal health, we've got supplementation and sort of detox. We have got food, we've got social and we've got freedom of choice. Anything else? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Um, healthy teeth, uh, super important, often neglected for a number of reasons. People, yeah. number one, people worry about feeding bones to dogs. And uh, there's a really, well, there's a useful blog on my website that actually gives people a really good idea what bones are safe and what they're good for. Many people make the mistake of giving marrow bones to large dogs and they crack their teeth, which is quite dangerous. Uh, the bones are harder than, than the teeth and uh, they crack them. Uh, you know, I've seen some dogs having really terrible teeth and there are people say, I don't, I don't want to do anything. It's much safer to actually uh, follow the recommendation of your veterinarian and get teeth cleaned and then maintain them without uh, needing to go for another anesthesia. And I, I give really detailed instructions. If you go to my website and just search for dental care, it's going to come up with a really detailed blog and, and also bone feeding instructions and all that. Uh, the, the problem is that when um, dental care is neglected, when there's tartar buildup, uh, the bacteria will spread in the kidneys and the heart and it often gets damaged. They often get damaged. Um, renal failure is very common in dogs that have bad teeth, and so is cardiac insufficiency and valvular disease. So when the bacteria basically harbors in the valves of the heart and uh, will damage the heart. So uh, dental care, um, you know, uh, try to try to go with minimal minimal uh, immunization. I am a big proponent of. Uh, minimizing vaccines. I've never seen a dog ending up with a parvovirus or distemper infection past six months. Um, and usually there are dogs that are neglected, they're, they come from uh, really poor san- poorly sanit- poor sanitation environment. Um, they would they would just be neglected. They would be parasite-ridden and so on. So it's not it's not that an average puppy will get parvovirus or distemper, but it, it can happen. I usually like to wait until 12 weeks because if you immunize before and this is something that most people don't know so um if you immunize before you actually get rid of or you destroy the antibodies the maternal protection and i will explain this maternal antibodies are acquired uh, through the milk mainly and sometimes through placenta in cats more than dogs um but um when puppies are immunized through the milk by the immunoglobulins uh, from colostrum. They're protected until about, um, I'm just gonna say 12 to 18 weeks, maybe a little more, a little less uh, at the upper upper spectrum, but they're protected. And if you give vaccine, the vaccine basically neutralizes, it latches onto the antibodies and, and, and basically destroys the antibodies. 
So dogs that are vaccinated before the immune system can actually produce an antibody response. Um, you basically reduce the immunity. Um, so I strongly encourage people not to vaccinate until the age of 12 weeks. Before 12 weeks, you may want to socialize with uh, puppies from the from the from the from the litter. I, I don't think that there is any need to expose dogs to other dogs. However, if you do want to, you can measure the antibodies level, antibody levels even before 12 weeks. And in, if the antibody levels are positive, if there's presence of antibodies against parvo distemper, then you can actually socialize moderately with other dogs. At 12 weeks, usually I recommend measuring another antibody test. And if it's positive, I don't even recommend vaccinating against distemper and parvo and measure the test one more time in a month. And if it's positive, then it's very likely that if your dog will be socializing with other dogs, they yes. will just found an immune response and it's fine. Now, when it comes to parvo and distemper, that's how I dealt with my dogs. And I've dealt with many dogs in my practice and I never had it fail. However, some people may not be comfortable and some of my colleagues will be really unhappy about me suggesting this, but this is how natural immunity happens. Maternal antibodies, then socialization, and basically gradual decline of the maternal antibodies while the, while the acquired antibodies are rising. Um, uh, if you vaccinate at 12 weeks, let's say the antibodies are negative, there is no antibodies, then I would probably recommend giving one vaccine. But in most dogs, only one vac one vaccine is needed, and there's no, yes. no more boosters needed. So that's the other thing that uh, that uh, people don't know and understand. And there is enough fear instilled in the dog community to actually for people to go for the three boosters or whatever two boosters. Rabies is a different story. In the UK, you're lucky that you, you don't have rabies, so you don't need to really give it unless you travel. And in some jurisdictions, it's required or for travel is definitely necessary. So that's something that we can really um, negotiate. But I think, I think that we can definitely dramatically reduce vaccine uh, vaccination. The other thing people complain about is that kennels or uh, daycares require vaccination. And I would always recommend to um, suggest that you sign a waiver uh for um for uh, daycare or something like that if your dog isn't vaccinated or provide the antibody titer test when it comes to kennel cough vaccine i've seen the kennel cough vaccine actually causing as much kennel cough as the kennel yes. cough itself and sometimes i suspect that the kennel cough vaccine actually has a propensity to spread the spread the virus around or the bacteria bacteria it's portatella bronchiseptica uh, that's the causative agent so, and, you know, there's some other vaccines like Giardia vaccine, Lyme disease vaccine. I would stay away from them as much as I could because uh, for Lyme disease vaccine, for example, when I used to give it in the, in the mid nineties, I saw puppies that would be one year old or, you know, very young dogs um, with arthritis and spondylosis of their back. And I am convinced that it was from the vaccine. I don't have a definite proof, but it is just unheard of that young dogs would have severe arthritic changes repeatedly. And that's one of the reasons I suspect why the vaccine has not been approved in people because it's just not safe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, ticks are a big problem, of course.
what else you you know you asked me what else would i add i think that uh you know try to try to use uh drug treatment of any kind um as the last form of defense uh, most of in most of the situations uh we don't really need to treat diseases with uh drugs and uh in some situations we do and we're grateful to have them but we have to be mindful and careful and obviously healthy humans um healthy humans are super important to healthy dogs and healthy animals like if we are healthy if we are in good shape i think that our dogs really benefit from that um cardio exercise which is kind of new for me like i i've been for a long time i've been recommending dogs to do what they would do in nature just short periods of sprints here and there but most of the times trotting and 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 walking and just kind of playing uh hanging out uh, but there's some evidence that uh, short bursts of activity actually may be really good for dogs and people. Yeah. Uh, people, we call it high-intensity interval training, where you basically alternate between high-intensity, you get your heart rate really high, and then you have a short period of rest, and you repeat it. And there are different approaches and different periods and intervals. But in dogs, I would recommend that too, with one caveat. It, it's super important not to stand in the park and throw a ball for 45 minutes or 30 minutes. Like it would be okay to do it maybe for 10 minutes and then vary it with other exercises. Because if you do too much of one exercise, dogs will get imbalanced. They will get strong and weak. And the imbalances also lead to issues with mobility and, and uh, arthritis and other challenges. Yeah, I think that's really key because you do see a lot of people, if they're short of time, they just go there and just frantically throw the ball for their dogs. And actually, um, you know, it can do a lot of damage. And you often notice the dog will always turn in one direction. So as they're building up imbalances and things. So plus the danger with some of the balls, we still have quite a big problem over here with with dogs getting, um, say, tennis balls stuck in their mouth and being very dangerous. Yeah, tennis balls are abrasive as well. Uh, many many people don't actually know that tennis balls are one, like sandpaper, basically. They yes. work down to nothing in the ballops as dogs. So it's, uh, yeah, there's so much that we could talk about. <laughs> so much that we can talk about. But I think we've given people a lot of inspiration um, because, you know, Yes, we aren't necessarily all going to at the moment have bobbies that live to 31 and there's a lot of different things that come into play. But, you know, go back and listen to um, our last interview as well, because there was a lot of hints in there that will combine with this. But really, um, you know, enjoying your dogs, enjoying the time with them, um, trying to get that balance between educating yourself, but not over worrying about things. As you say, I don't know anyone that measures out their children's dinners. So, um, but equally, it's great to sort of enjoy that learning process, isn't it, Peter? And really sort of realize that even if you've been brought up with dogs and have dogs all your life, just keep being curious and keep learning. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's important to remember that opinions are not truths. Uh, there is, um, <laughs> we sometimes get into heated debates about, about issues and uh, not everything, you know, there's a big range of what is actually what, what would work and every dog is different. Every person is different. I forgot to mention one thing and that is 
what I notice as well. I, I notice that people often take their dogs for a walk and, uh, you know, they take them out, but it's the interaction between our dogs and ourselves, the play, the cuddle, the, the combing, the whatever we do with them that they really thrive on. And I have to remind myself, today is a playtime. And, you know, right now I just kind of take the toys out and, and be silly with my dog and, 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 uh, take take time to cuddle or or yeah. massage and uh they don't always need to be busy 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 right like that happens to dogs and it happens to kids that we think that children have to be busy and they have to go from activity to activity and and parents go <laughs> on the sofa so sweet and just hanging out exactly yeah. just, just being there present and making sure that they have social engagement that they have their friends that we actually Truly, call up a friend and say, hey, can I bring your dog? Uh, can I take your dog to my place or vice versa? Uh, if you go for a walk, uh, just create a circle of friends where you can actually hang out together. It's just, it would be really sad for dogs, I think, if they were just lonely. And many dogs are lonely. Mm. And there may be senior people who no longer want to get their own dog, but they would be very happy to dog sit. Um, and and walk dogs. Uh, yes, it's uh, there's so many options. We just have to. I think we just have to get out of our shell a little bit. Shelf a little bit. Shell shell, not shelf. <laughs> Sometimes I I mix up my English. Uh, we have to get out of our shell to and 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 get out there and connect with others because our dogs benefit from it. They really do, and so do we. And definitely, happy dog, happy human, happy human, happy dog. Get that balance right. Thank you so, so much. I've absolutely loved it, as always. Um, really, really appreciate all your time, all your Thank wisdom. Thank you. I'll put all the links That's to Peter's website. Your website blogs are absolutely brilliant. I'm always referring to them. I love them. Really well written, really, really helpful. So there's so much free information on Peter's website and of course some brilliant brilliant supplements so please do go and have a look at those thank you so much thank you Peter and um, I look forward to the next time take care bye-bye bye I really hope you enjoyed that conversation and I hope there's at least one thing that you can take away and apply to your own life or to the lives of your animals Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And if you feel inspired, please do share with your friends and family. My goal is to inspire as many people as I can to live their best lives, to stay curious and to raise their consciousness and that of the collective. So to do this, I need to reach as many people as possible and this needs your help. If you feel drawn, would you be willing to share your favourite episode with five different people? This helps us spread the word and also helps me encourage some exciting new guests to take part in this podcast. If you feel drawn to do that, I would be very, very grateful. All the links and discount codes where applicable for all the products that I support are on my two websites, katherineedwards.life and katherineedwardsacademy.com. All of the products are personally tried and tested by me, my family and my clients. And finally, please do press the follow or subscribe button, depending which platform you're listening on. 
And above all, stay curious and stay free.